the simplest way to understand giftedness is it's what you're born to do. Everybody's born to do something. Whatever that is, that's there because that's what God has placed in you. That's a gift from Him. And He's got a purpose behind that gift. And so whether or not you get paid to do it, it's needful for us to express those gifts. We're excited to dive into this conversation with Bill Hendricks because at VOCA, we know that it's really hard to sustain joy and energy at work when you aren't tapping into your strengths. Bill calls our strengths our giftedness, and he makes the case that this is how God designed us to work. This is the Career Navigator podcast, where we deliver the insights you need to discover and travel God's path to the best next for your career. I'm Sarah Evers, your host for this episode. We believe that no one needs to walk alone through career transition, and I'm not alone right now. I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, Ken Kennard. Hello, Ken. Hello, Sarah. And Dr. Chip Roper. Hello, Chip. Sarah, I'm here. And Ken is going to tell us a little bit about today's guest. That's right. Our guest today is Bill Hendricks. He's the president of the Giftedness Center. It's a Dallas-based consulting firm that helps individuals to think through strategic life and career decisions. He's also the executive director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary, where he co-hosts the Table Podcast on issues of God and culture. Bill has authored or co-authored numerous books, including the foundational faith and work title, Your Work Matters to God and his popular primer on giftedness, The Person Called You, Why You're Here, Why You Matter, and What You Should Do With Your Life. He holds degrees from Harvard, Boston University, and Dallas Theological Seminary, and is currently a doctoral student at Bakke Graduate University. Bill is married to Lynn Turpin Hendricks and is the proud father of three accomplished daughters. This interview was recorded on March 26, 2021 with a live virtual audience. Let's listen in to Chip's conversation with Dr. Bill Hendricks. Bill, great to have you with us. Um, you know, all of us in this faith and work space, we stand on your shoulders. You're really one of the pioneers. And so it's just really an honor to have you here. Um, so welcome. And, uh, you know, let's thank just, you. Yeah, let's let's just jump right in. Um, Give us a little bit of a feel for you know your background, where you're from, where you grew up. Uh, any any early experiences in your life that you think are are we should just know to understand who you are and where you're coming from. Sure, I uh, grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I was born into the family of a seminary professor. My father, Howard G. Hendricks, uh, taught at Dallas Theological Seminary for about 60 years. Uh, he retired in 2011 and went home to the Lord in 2013. Um, that means that I have been going to church since nine months before I was born. So I grew up in a Christian <laughs> family, and uh, I've never not been part of a church. And so at a very early age, uh, came to faith in Christ, and, and uh, it's been uh, really the, 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 the core, at the core of my life uh, pretty much ever since. Um, I went off to Harvard. I, I, I then went to Boston University and got a degree in uh, uh, mass communication. And because my dad taught at the seminary, I could get a free seminary degree. So I went back to, to Dallas and, and, and did that. About a week after graduating uh, from that program, my wife said to me, listen, I'm tired of putting you through school. <laughs> I want to stay home and have babies. You know, get out there and make some money. 
in parliamentary terms, we call that calling the question, right? You've got you've to make a decision about what you're going to do. Problem was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And everybody's telling me, oh, Bill, you know, you're really so bright. You went to Harvard. You got a couple master's degrees. You can do anything you want. And I may be, I was like, oh, that may be, but I don't know what I want to do. And I was pretty scared about it. It was about that time that a friend of mine introduced me to a gentleman who had this wonderful process to help people kind of figure out what to do with their lives. And uh, uh, I was very skeptical going into it because I'd been through a career workup in Boston that uh, gave me a lot of reports and a lot of information, but I still didn't know what to do with my life. But this was different because this was story-based and I was a literature major. And so it made sense to me. And uh, I, I agreed to go through it. And when we got to what we call the reveal, the feedback session, I, I realized it was as if I'd been in a pitch black room my whole life, falling over furniture, stumbling around, bumping into the wall, getting hurt, and somebody just flipped a switch. And very quickly, I, 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 I was like, oh my gosh, now I understand what it is I'm trying to do. And I began to make choices on the basis of those insights about my giftedness that led to better and better and better job fit and ultimately decided to just uh, turn my consulting practice that I had formed uh, into a center to help people think through their life and career directions based on how God has designed them, hence the Giftedness Center. Great. What were some of those first choices you made once you had you know, that clarity? Well, I knew that I had writing skills and communication skills, and so I, I also knew that I liked to work fairly independently and I liked to direct things. And, and all of that added up to being a consultant. I, I knew a lot of people that had ideas, but they needed to find a medium and a language to get their message out. And so I began to put together a lot of writing ventures, publishing ventures, video, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, that, that's, that's how I first got started. I, I, I played to my strengths. Got it. That's good. Uh, and that, that's great because you brought us up to, into how you started the Giftedness Center with that. I mean, was it... What was it like to grow up in this, I mean, really, you know, well-regarded ministry family and end up in sort of a different lane? Well, it was probably uh, providential. Um, you know, my, my dad was one of these iconic figures. I mean, honestly, he, uh, he's, he's kind of legendary, was legendary as a teacher. And, and he really was almost the definition of what teaching is all about. He was definitely in his sweet spot as a teacher. And so that would, that would have been a very difficult, you know, shadow to, to emerge from. But be, me being me, uh, you know, I, I found this thing that had been very transformational in my life. And I realized, well, if I, with all of my background and all the advantages I have, if I had a hard time figuring out what to do with my life, how many other people must be in that boat? And so I just went with it. And, I mean... How would you connect that specific work of helping people discern where they're supposed to go to your own calling? Yeah, well, I, I think it, it, it's very much uh, tied in with my calling. Uh, look, first of all, let me, let me put a definition on the word giftedness. You know, we use that term. You know, get, the simplest way to understand giftedness is it's what you're born to do. Everybody's born to do something. For one person, they love to solve a problem. They never met a problem they didn't want to solve. 
For somebody else, they want to build something and get a finished product. For somebody else, uh, they, they want to uh, get people to respond to them and influence their behavior. For somebody else, it's they want to understand something at a very deep level. For another person, they want to plan things out and get them organized. I mean, we could go on and on and on all day about the different forms of giftedness that there are out there. Whatever that is, that's there because that's what God has placed in you, endowed you with. That's a gift from Him. Uh, and He's got a purpose behind that gift. And so whether or not you get paid to do it, it's needful for us to express those gifts. But of course, if we're going to spend most of our day uh, working, it really helps if we can work at things that fit that gifting. And so for me, the, the, the sense of calling is to make a difference in people's lives what the giftedness center allows me to do is to do that in in a in a pretty sophisticated way, and uh, uh, and it's and it's a total joy. That's the other piece about giftedness is when you are in in your sweet spot, in your lane, doing your thing, whatever that that is. There's a release of joy and satisfaction, and so many people today hate their job, or at least if they don't hate it, it's it's just a job. You know, it's a paycheck, and that's it. Um, when, you know, work could be so much more satisfying if they were doing something that actually fit who they are and they get to express that on a daily basis and contribute to the world through their gift. And it sounds like for you, there's like, that's a very personal side. I mean, it's something you deal with in this book, you know, um, you know, the person called you. And then there's a theological side of framing of it that, yeah. say, how do the two work together? Well, I believe that, that the, on the theology side, Scripture is, is abundantly clear that God has made each one of us. Uh, you know, Psalm 139, for instance, has a wonderful image of God weaving us like a tapestry in our mother's womb. Um, Ephesians 2.10 uses, uses a word called workmanship, and the image there is of a, like a potter who's got a clay on the pottery wheel, and the potter's shaping that clay, and because it's God's hands that are on the clay, whatever that vessel is going to be is a masterpiece. And so we have from one end of the scripture to the other, this picture of God personally involved in the shaping and the making and the designing of human beings in his image. Okay. Well, if that's true, you know, you weed me in my mother's womb, then that design ought to start showing up when? Well, from the womb. And this phenomenon about giftedness, and when I say a phenomenon, like gravity is a phenomenon. You don't have to know anything about gravity to take advantage of it. It's just the way the world is. And there's a phenomenon about human beings, and it is that people really begin from an extremely early age to manifest a unique way of behaving, of interacting with the world. And that's a, that's a reflection of their giftedness. And that phenomenon sort of points back to and, and really validates what Scripture asserts. Um, and then, as I say, there's a purpose to the, to the gift. Uh, you, it's given for you to bless the world. Back to Ephesians 2.10, that workmanship, that vessel, was made for what the, the, the verse calls good works. Those aren't just generic good works. Those are specific good works tied to the nature of the workmanship, which means if you figure out somebody's workmanship or giftedness, you have a lot of clues as to the good works for which they were placed here. Interesting. Have you? I mean, how have you run into what? It, well, I'm, I'm assuming you've run into this, so you may not have. But 
just this idea that certain work is more important to God than others, other types oh, of work. Oh, yeah. No, I grew up with that. I, I, absolutely, absolutely. There, there's, this, there's this hierarchy. Uh, the missionaries are at the top, and then the pastors and the church leaders and, then, and seminary professors, and then the, then the parachurch ministry people, then the nonprofit people, and the medical people are in there. And then we start getting down into, you know, farmers and on down into, you know, carpenters. And we're starting to get, you know, pretty low on the totem pole here. You know, we, we get into salespeople. And then, of course, we all know that the finance people, you know, because they're about money, they're at the bottom in terms of how God rates these things. Right next to the lawyers, I think. And, and the lawyers. That, that's it. Exactly. But, of course, of course, um, uh my my dad helped me out in a couple ways. One was that he he loved people in the workplace because he realized from Ephesians four that's where the real work of God is taking place. Okay, that that God has His people all scattered throughout the work world because that's where all the people in need are, the people that need to know about God are, and the people that need the gifts that you know each each of people have like. People who are gifted to the task of causing learning to take place. They need to be in the schools teaching. People that are gifted to the task of creating jobs. They need to be in the, in the business world creating jobs as an entrepreneur. Uh, the people that are gifted to the task of, of uh, bringing healing about. They need to be in the medical field creating vaccines for viruses and so forth. We, he's got his people everywhere. Okay, And my dad really loved to work with at the time, they were called lay people. We don't use that term anymore. And so that was how he modeled it. But in addition, uh, this, this doctrine of the lordship of Christ, that is that Christ is the king. He's the Lord. And if he's, he's the Lord of everything, well, if that's true, he's the Lord of everything, meaning our work as well as, as all the other things that we are in church and devotional life and Bible study and all that kind of stuff. That's great stuff. It is very necessary stuff, but it's not the only stuff. And, and if Christ is Lord of all, then we get into this concept of whole life discipleship, that everything we do, nothing is totally mundane. Nothing, nothing is without eternal significance. C.S. Lewis said that if eternity is real, then everything has significance. Well said. Well said, Bill. Thank you. We're going we're gonna to launch a poll. We want to know uh, how those of you who are with us today are thinking about your own giftedness and your awareness of it. So uh, we'll give you a minute or two uh, to fill that out. and We'll come back to the results in a little bit. The Career Navigator is our solution to the chaos and random nature of job search. The Career Navigator is offered in two versions. The individual version gives the most attention to you, with a personal coach who guides you through the entire process. There's also a cohort version where you join others in a small group to help each other along the way. Both versions start with personal discovery and learning how to communicate your value before launching you into information interviews and applying for jobs. So if you or someone you know is in the middle of a job search or you want to find and follow your calling, check out the Career Navigator at vocacenter.org Career Navigator. We'll put that link in the show notes. But Bill, as we continue, what what are some common challenges you're seeing 
in your your work at the gift center? What are, what are what's bringing people to your door? Well, two of the biggest categories. One is young adults, people in their twenties, obviously trying to figure out what to do with their lives. Uh, in fact, that's probably the number one question on most twenty-somethings' uh, mind. What should I be doing with my life? Now, I've discovered that the same question is there for people in, in their 40s, 50s, even 60s. Uh, oftentimes, very successful people, they have an angst. They're very successful, but they have an angst about, yeah, but what should I have done with my life? You know, like they somehow missed the boat. Um, so there's this question of, of what, what is my calling? And, and that's really a function of the society that we now have, which is a knowledge-based uh, work that we do. Um, basically, our culture doesn't know how to get people from high school graduation into the adult world of work. And everybody thinks college is going to help you do that. And they don't realize that the colleges have no vested interest in helping you do that. That's for you and your parents to figure out. Um, and so the result is every year, hundreds of thousands of people graduate from college who are essentially lost as lambs, not really knowing what their direction in life should be. They have a degree, they had a major, and then they get into their first assignment, maybe in that major, and they wake up a year or two later and they go, I don't want to do this. But then they, what am I supposed to do? They don't have a framework. You know, what many of them do is they go back to school, take on more debt, thinking if I get another degree, that'll help me figure it out. Well, I did that twice, and I can assure you that usually doesn't help you figure it out. Which leads to the second thing. Lots of people get into jobs simply because it pays, not because it fits them. It, 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 it does provide an income, and that's certainly a reality that has to be considered. But there's an opportunity cost. You can get into a job that pays quite well, but your soul will shrivel up inside if you're not getting a payoff as well as a paycheck. Something's got to feed your soul. And so I see that a lot from people in midlife that have been doing the same job for 20, 25 years. And they come to me and they say, I can't do this anymore, but I don't know, I don't know how to figure it out. Wow. And how do you, how do you help, um, how do you help people help figure, figure it, it out? out? Yeah. What's that look like? Well, it always starts with a very objective appraisal, uh, an in-depth appraisal of their giftedness. There's a way to actually figure that out. And I don't, I don't give them a test or an inventory or, I'm sure many of you have been through, you know, the, 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 the major ones. I won't name them. Um, and they have their place. But it turns out that the phenomenon of giftedness, it's, it's real and it's there. And the way it sort of shows itself is that whenever you do an activity that fits your giftedness, there's a release of joy or satisfaction going all the way back to childhood to the present. So what I get people to do is to tell me a series of stories from their life about activities they've done that they've enjoyed doing and done well. And I interview them in detail, not about why they did it. I don't care why they did it. I just want to see them in action. Tell me what you did and how you did it. It's a very behavioral-based system. What they tell me, those words that they give me, and those stories, that's the data that we work with. And we have a process that's, that avoids interpreter bias to go back through that interview and to find all these dots that connect. And if you, if you know what you're looking for, you can't miss it. There's always a pattern of behavior that the person comes back to again and again and again. That pattern 
describes their giftedness. It's like an owner's manual on this person. Uh, and so with that pattern, we can essentially reverse engineer career scenarios that fit that pattern. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we, well, we're doing similar work and we love it when we go back and we help somebody see a pattern and they recognize, you know, I really do have the capacity, you know, at least my parents told me I could do anything when I grew up, which is a lie. Right. You know, I'm right. never going to play in the They NBA. were well intended. Yeah. But, but that's not true. But there are some things I can do. And it's, there's a factual basis for that. So I love the way you're, you're drilling into that with people and helping them move forward. What's the last, you know, the last year or so been like? Because uh, it's been a crazy year. And kind of where do you, you know, maybe there's some things that you've experienced, seen, observed, or taken away from this the last 12 months and where's that what, what have you seen and where's it where are you going where where do you think things are going with work well I've seen a lot of pain uh, out there I mean obviously a lot of people lost their jobs and many of them the, lo the jobs they lost they, they weren't particularly you know excited about to begin with but at least it was paying the bills and so lacking that you know I saw a lot of despair I've seen a lot of despair um, and, and having said that, I, I, I found sort of, I guess, a couple lessons that, that at least I've taken away, and I, I, would, I would encourage others to take away. The first one, believe it or not, is, is gratitude. It, it may not sound like a time for gratitude when there's so much pain and grief and loss and so forth, but, you know, Psalm 90 has a very, very important phrase and, and an admonishment to teach us to teach us to number our days. And, and basically the point there is not so much that life is short, but that there's no guarantees. Like none of us is guaranteed the next breath. And I love what a guy named uh, Brother David Steinel Rest puts it. He says, you think this is just another day in your life. It's not just another day. It's the one day that is given to you today. It's given to you. It's a gift. If you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well. It's a wonderful thought about how every day is lived uh, as if it were a gift, because it is a gift, with a sense of gratitude. And that leads to the other thing. I believe this year has taught us that we've got to learn to live generously, not selfishly. Live your life with a sense of purpose beyond yourself. Um, our giftedness points to what that purpose is, certainly what the purpose that God put you here for. And so if, if, if we're given no guarantees, but we need to be grateful for the day that we have, then we have to think about, well, how will I use this day that I've been given? And the best way to use it is to take that which you've been given by way of your gifts, and it's out of a, really an expression of love. You love your neighbor. You love the world by exercising that gift on behalf of the world in some uh, productive way. That's great. Any, any thoughts about, like, you know, there's lots of talk about things opening up, and of course you're in Texas, you guys are open officially. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes for you. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We don't have the same sentiments in New York City, I can tell you. But, um, but what do you, you know, what, I've heard some people say, for instance, that you know, sometimes when we go through a trauma like we just did this year, and it was multiple traumas really stacked on top of each other, that mm. actually the next challenge actually is burnout uh, because we've been kind of driven. Do you see any of that 
on the horizon? Oh, everywhere. Or, yeah, everywhere. Just say a little bit more about where you think things are going. Well, um, I should mention that the, the word that I would put on where a lot of people are right now, they're certainly burned out, but right in there with it, and, and perhaps it's just a synonym, is, is a lot of grief. There's a lot of grief out here because we've lost a lot. And I, I, I'd like to say that I have a 21-year PhD in grief because my first wife passed away in 2000 uh, of breast cancer. And so I've had a lot of time to sort of, you know, grieve that and learned a lot about grief and loss in the, in the process. Um, the, the one thing I will say about grief and loss, um, it, it, it really came to me the day after she died. She died on a Saturday. You know, it was one of these days in Dallas that started out with a line of thunderstorms and a lot of rain and, you know, lightning. And it was a pretty dramatic morning. And then the afternoon, it settled down a little bit, but it was cloudy. It was cold. It was kind of a dreary day. And she passed at about 4.30. And just as the sun was finally coming through the clouds, and so I kind of watched the sunset, um, and then it was nighttime. And I, you know, went home eventually and, and uh, obviously just in shock. The next morning, I woke up. My three daughters, each of them had friends, had volunteered, you know, come over and spend the night at our house. And so I was, I was alone, which was great because it allowed me to sleep in. I remember waking up that Sunday morning and getting my coffee and sitting down on the back porch. And the thought came to me, it was a gorgeous morning, and I said, wow, the sun came up again. And it really does, it really does. No matter how severe the loss is, the sun does come up the next day. There's more of life that apparently for you to live that God's given you. And he is there in that, in that grief, I can assure you. And so if you're burned out, you need to take care of yourself in the sense of uh, doing things that, that are um, life-giving to you um, and to begin to get some control back by just reestablishing routines as best you can. One of the things this pandemic has done is to turn our routines upside down and humans really rely on routines to save energy. And so we've been running around spending all this energy, not quite sure what the next moment we should be doing. If, if we can establish some disciplines and some routines, I think it helps a lot with our mental and emotional health. That's really good. I, I've never heard that, that routines save energy, but it makes total sense and that's really good. And I think you're really coaching us in resilience. How do we be resilient? Um, and sometimes that means taking the foot off the gas and attending to your soul and making sure you have energy for the long haul. Um, let's see that we took a poll, Bill. I, and we're going to see where how people are reacting to this topic of giftedness. So, Ken, if you could put that up. Um, so we asked them, how often are you unsure of your abilities to deliver what is needed in your work? So it's kind of like, do I have the gifts needed for my job? And we're kind of all over the map. I mean, that's almost a complete, but yeah. but uh, over almost over half, I guess. Yeah, 50, 53% are either somewhat or often not sure. Uh, and, um, and then we asked them, you know, what if you were asked what your gifts are, how would you be able to articulate what they are? And again, um, a lot of uncertainty out there. So um, 
There's a lot of growth potential in uh, for our audience today in terms of clarity. Any, what is your reaction to these numbers? Well, one reaction is kind of what I alluded to earlier. In our culture, we, we don't do and haven't done a, ver a very good job of helping people discover and own their strengths. Um, we, we, we talk about strengths, and yet what's fascinating to me is how often when you ask somebody what their strengths are, they kind of go blank. They have to stop and think about it for a little bit. And even worse, they know what they are sometimes. They're afraid to own them because they're afraid they're going to sound proud, right? It's like false humility. Well, I don't know false humility, but maybe a broken view of humility. Well, it's a broken view of humility. Um, and I do think in, in uh, certainly having grown up in the church, you know, there's a lot of teaching out there about, now don't be pr proud, don't be arrogant, don't be puffed up with, with yourself. And, and that's all true. But here's how I look at it. Um, let, me, let me just state a fact, okay? Uh, I've got, I think uh, the person called you, that was like number 23. I, I've got 24 coming up on 25 published books, okay? That's not a boast, that's a fact. And what I'm getting to here is, at least of all the things that human beings can do, most of them I can't do. Thank God I at least can put sentences on paper in a form that people will want to read. I'm not saying I'm the best author in the world, but at least I got one thing going for me, right? right. And so I need to own that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just encourage everybody, whatever you know about your gifts, from whatever source, you know, maybe what your, your parents teased you about. Unfortunately, many people discover their gifts because they get shamed for using them by well-intentioned people like parents, teachers, friends, siblings, coaches. You know, that person states something that's actually quite true about the person's gift, but through a negative label. For example, oh, Chip, there you go again, being that perfectionist. I've never been accused of that, by the way, but that's okay. I, okay. <laughs> but, you know, if I ever have brain surgery, you know, that's the person I want on the job, right? Absolutely. I want a Absolutely. perfectionist. I want somebody for, you know, who, who's going to get it right, not somebody for whom good enough is good enough. Right. You don't want me to be your brain surgeon, I can assure you. <laughs> or you may have taken a, you know, Myers-Briggs or a Enneagram or a disc or whatever. And, uh, but whatever you've discovered about that gift, go ahead and own it and then, and then find ways to express it with some sense of authority. You know, again, these gifts are given us because we really have an, a... a we have the power to affect the world with these gifts, so we can affect it in a positive way if we will lean into the gifts and make it happen. Now, of course, I saw there were a lot of people in the polls that said, man, I'm not really even sure what my gifts are. Well, in the back of my book, this is an exercise that's very simple. It's, it's akin to what we do at the Giftedness Center, but you get a partner, you come up with a list of what we call giftedness stories, activities you've enjoyed doing, and you tell your partner about six or eight stories. And then together with your partner, just go through the stories and we promise you will find, you will find something of a pattern there. And begin to ask questions as we got in the book about, okay, what does this mean for me? 
what am I seeing here? What are the implications of this for my work, for my relationships, etc.? All right, team, let's process this a bit. Bill tees up a challenge that faces all of us. There are many voices pushing us in various directions when it comes to our career. We have to push past the noise and develop true understanding of our gifts. These God-given capacities are God's fingerprints on our lives, and they're critical in making choices around vocational direction. And the good news is that we can know them and be confident in what they are. Mm. You know, Chip, I hear that. There's nothing like having confidence in who God made you to be. You know, I was really um, struck by how Bill avoids using the word passion because it's, a it's an emotional word. Uh, and that doesn't always resonate with people. Rather, Bill uses the word motivation. And, and when he said that, it was like Bill flipped this light switch on for me. And clients and friends and family members' faces started to come to mind because they're highly motivated, but they aren't necessarily extrovertedly passionate. So I'm already shifting my language to incorporate this word motivation instead of passion. Yeah, that's smart, Sarah. I like that. You know, what struck me is how well Bill presented the case for why we need other people in our career journeys. Specifically, he points to the value of having someone who's a great listener coach us through our story and then tease out that giftedness that he talks about. We may have been living it, but we may not be seeing it. It might not be clear to us. So I love how he points to that need for someone to help us along the way. That's right. And it's something we've built into the Career Navigator, the opportunity to work with a coach so that you get clear on the story you're actually living. You also receive objective assessments to give you scientific data on your natural abilities. And then we show you how to use them to communicate your value to potential employers. So if you're in a job transition now or think you might be soon, sign up today for a free consultation at vocacenter.org slash career navigator. As we close, I invite you to join us live. Every Career Navigator podcast is recorded in front of a live virtual audience. Plan to join us and shape the conversation with your questions. Visit vocacenter.org slash webinar to sign up for the next live episode. The Career Navigator podcast is brought to you by Voca Center, where we bring God's wisdom to work.